0: Singular sensation, every little step she takes.
1: The song may refer to one singular sensation, but our guest today believes strongly in the power of twos. Yoav Litvin is a New York City-based scientist, photographer, and writer. Yoav has spent a lot of time studying the brain, but he's also spent a lot of time studying New York City's street art scene. I'm George Borarki, and this is Cityscape. Yoav, welcome to the show. Hi there. So your latest project is called To Create. What's the mission? The mission
0: was twofold here. First of all, it's a mission to look at the creative process, just looking at it from Creative Spark until completed Masterpiece. And then the second mission um, was to look at two people creating, so the art of collaboration.
1: You say the idea of the lone genius is a misnomer, that many of those celebrated as singular sensations are, in reality, the public face of a collaborative duo, from George Lucas to Steve Jobs.
0: Right. This comes from a great book that I read by Joshua Schenck that's called The Power of Two, and uh, he lists many examples there of uh, one person who became kind of the face, the public face of a success story, but there was Always kind of a somebody in the shadows uh, who didn't get that recognition, and this is I think a kind of um, um, emblematic of of human beings in general because we are a social species, so the work comes from even Einstein said this work comes from previous knowledge we build on previous knowledge
1: do you think this kind of individualism is uniquely american
0: I think it definitely serves uh certain Interests, uh, political interests, for example, capitalism. Um, th- this kind of notion that we succeed as individual, as individuals, it really separates us. I feel, and um, it really um, disempowers us from forming a unified and powerful collective uh, that can fight for rights, for workers' rights, for different things at the collective for health insurance. So there is kind of an underlying, I feel, agenda of a purely profit-driven society to separate us.
1: So you spent time with New York City street artists who work collaboratively. Correct. And you worked with a couple in particular, Al Diaz and Jilly Ballistic. What can you tell us about that duo
0: It's a fantastic duo. They both work in the MTA, which is really rare these days, even though, you know, we all know that graffiti and street art, uh, a lot of it started in the train system. Um, So they still do these uh, very kind of modest and beautiful works that always remark, challenge, and educate um, the millions of people who use the MTA. And because it's so surveilled, our, our transport system, a lot of people are afraid to work there. So they come from different generations uh, Jilly Ballistic is much younger, and she does, um, she does these different historical images. She has a few series of works, but sh- this one that I feature, she does historical images, usually of uh, images from war, different wars, and then um, also to remark on war and, and our society in general. And then Al Diaz uses the uh, signage, the MTA signage, if it's wet paint, and also the different kinds of subway signage to create kind of ransom notes uh, with wonderful kind of poetry. So this uh, collaboration was very uh, complimentary where Jilly chose an image and Al kind of complimented it with with, uh, a phrase, an empire in decline. And I thought it was a wonderful way to start off the book, especially with the two trains that stop on the side with the American flags, um, it's really a comment on where where we are right now.
1: Now, did you play matchmaker with the artists, or were these artists already hooked up together?
0: So some of these artists uh, were definitely working together. Al Diaz and Jilly Ballistic was one. Um, the most that I did was bring them together for the project as far as, you know, schedule the time and produce the actual work. But I didn't, like you know, matchmaker as far as here, meet this person, meet this person. They knew each other from the past. And I just found their work together so amazing that I wanted to kind of include them.
1: How did the two of them connect with each other?
0: Um, They told me they met at some function and um, they've seen each other's work before and they both worked in the MTA. So that was right away a kind of way to talk. uh, And then they just struck up a conversation.
1: Another duo that you feature is CERN and Sekis, is it?
0: Correct. Sekis is a, one of the first graffiti artists in Santiago, Chile, and he's very well known over there. He uh, started out, like many graffiti artists, tagging and had a crew and did di- different styles of graffiti and uh, went to the abstract and started making figurative work. So he's a, such a well-rounded artist, um, and CERN is also very similar trajectory from Queens, also started tagging and did graffiti, and then also uh, nowadays does a wide range of work. And they met. Graffiti and street art is such a globalized uh, art these days that um, they came to know each other. And then Sekis, I know, moved to New York and um, met up with CERN, and then they just started working together. And I've seen their works in the past before, and I love their works individually, and I just thought... I just want to see these people work together.
1: So how do they work together?
0: So I spent four days with them on a random rooftop in uh, Greenpoint, beautiful, overlooking uh, the Pulaski Bridge. And I saw in the beginning they did a very rough sketch. I'm the kind of photographer who really hangs back and is like a fly on the wall. I don't tell people what to do or curate. And I just let the process happen. Uh, So what I did see is I just saw them do a rough sketch. And then they just kind of you know, went with the flow. So they, um, they're that good that they could, you know, just have that rough sketch and improvise. Um, and it looks great. Uh, Sekis did a beautiful uh, kind of wiring and uh, fence, and uh, Cern did a very colorful garden in the background.
1: I noticed that you reference graffiti and street art separately. What makes them different?
0: Different people have different definitions. The way I Uh, define it and many others and I find that it's very easy to remember that way is that graffiti has letters okay so if you write your name usually or some kind of moniker it's graffiti if you take it to something that's more abstract like figurative um, that's considered street art but again uh, different people will tell you different things
1: in all you feature nine artistic duos in this book right
0: right correct
1: give us an example of another
0: Okay, we have Dazic Fernandez and Ruben415. They were together working in the Bronx, actually, in a crew called the Four Burners. And uh, I saw some of their work up in Hunts Point in the Bronx, and I I love their individual work and also the collaboration that I saw. I, and I wanted to work with both of them for a while. So they also did this amazing piece in um, in uh, Greenpoint, Brooklyn. We had a, a halfway house uh, around the block that the whole halfway house or a large number of people came out and were just sitting and just admiring the the process, which was just breathtaking.
1: Do you use the term crew now. That term is most definitely terminology associated with graffiti and street art, right? There's a whole vocabulary associated with this world.
0: Correct. And I'm still learning the vocabulary.
1: <laughs> Tagging, bombing, right, right?
0: Correct. Wild style burner. A lot of it came out of the Bronx and upper Manhattan. It started out in... Um, Washington Heights, with kids just uh, fooling around and daring each other and um uh, you know they just wanted to get up what 's called uh, as much as possible and then from there it was it's really beautiful to look at it just like you would look at a at a live organism it's something that started from just kids playing around, just like with hip hop, and then it evolved into this beautiful artistry you know they okay, I want my my tag to be seen and appreciated, so they started developing the artistry, and then they started adding figures and different cartoon characters, and then they, you know, uh, put some political messages in it. And then, for example, um, a good friend and wonderful artist, Coco144, is credited with starting, the do, working with the stencil. So a stencil, you know, is is a very simple and easy way to get up. You just... You know, you can even you know put it on the floor and quickly spray through a plastic bag or something and nobody would notice. So it requires a lot of ingenuity and kind of thinking out of the box.
1: So let's do a little graffiti in Street Art 101. A tag is a... Uh...
0: Tag is writing your name. Uh, it could be your real name. But usually because it's illegal, people choose some kind of catchy phrase, you know... And and there's many, many out there. So if your name is uh, very long also, you don't want to use that because then you can get caught very easily. So you just want to use a quick, catchy name. And the way it started also, there was a number uh, after the name which uh, indicated the street number that you come from. So like I said, if it's 144th Street or 165th Street or whatever.
1: Bombing has nothing to do with explosives.
0: Bombing has nothing to do with explosives, correct. Um, Bombing is... You know, just putting your name up as much as possible, uh, and it's uh, typically illegal. Okay, and usually, what's used is uh, is a is a graffiti style called the throw up, which is uh, just a, a kind of round and bubbly style um, where you you know write your name again. So it's not the simple tag, but it's a bubbly style that developed um, uh, throughout the years.
1: And a crew, I would imagine, is just what it sounds like—a group of artists who work together.
0: Correct. So a crew would be, you know, again, because it's illegal and because you want as many out there as possible. If you have five people writing your name of the crew, of course, or one, you know, five beats it. So and also you want one or two or three lookouts. If you're doing something illegal, then that's advantageous.
1: Let's get back to the twos, the crew of two, if you will. How varied are the ways in which the artists that you worked with for this book how varied are the ways they work together?
0: It's it's. I, I learned so much throughout this book process because um, you really see different styles of collaboration. Like you, you like you said, uh, you see something that's very complementary. For example, like Jillian Al, where they literally have their own individual process. They work together on matching, but you know their works are still their own within the collaboration. And then you have something that's called integrative. OK, you can see, for example, a pair of sticky peaches and Dane. You can't really recognize whose is whose, right? So those are the two main kind of uh, styles of collaboration, integrative and complementary. And I take this from Professor uh, Vera John Steiner, who wrote a book about creative collaboration. She's a psychologist out of Albuquerque, and um, she really did a study, a kind of academic study of collaborations. And I feel like To Create is a book of just case studies, beautiful case studies.
1: Now, is the work produced by these duos also largely illegal?
0: Uh, Some of it is illegal. Um, You'll see the stuff that's pasted up uh, quickly that's illegal. And some of the pairs actually wanted me to blur out their faces, so I pixelated them in the photos. Um, and some of it is legal. Uh, some of it I produced as far as, you know, I got friends of mine who know people who own property and gave gave us their wall to use. And then it's legal and then they can take their time. Uh, and they don't have to do everything in the studio and then just come and put it up quickly. So it's 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 really varied, which I think is something really great about this project.
1: What are among the biggest challenges to collaboration that you witnessed in doing this project?
0: I feel like you need a few things uh, in general, not just in street art and graffiti, but in general you need a um, mutual respect. So really the two artists have to really respect the other person's artistry. You need trust. Uh, and those are the two major things. And you need a kind of friendship and a personal kind of matureness um, where somebody's ego doesn't get in the way. The person's ego has to be flexible enough to be able to withstand critique, uh, to be able to you know, change their views, and also to grow, which is really what I'm trying to show in this project, is that one plus one is greater than two.
1: What was your process for identifying the artists?
0: So some of them are in my previous book, Outdoor Gallery, like Jilly, uh, like Alice Mizrahi, um, a few others, uh, like Dane, and then some artists like Dazik Fernandez, like Sekis, like Ruben415 are artists that I really wanted to work with. And this was my opportunity to integrate them. And some were just really cool duos that I um, really wanted to work with.
1: You referenced your other book, Outdoor Gallery, which also documents street art in New York City. What inspired this interest in New York City street art?
0: I was um, injured pretty badly uh, in my spine. Uh, from a sports injury, and I couldn't sit, uh, lie down, or um, do anything without severe pain, except for walking. So I decided I'm just going to walk everywhere, especially on the weekends. And then at some point, I took a camera with me, and I literally did about 15 to 20 miles a day across New York. So I I know New York pretty well by now, Um, and I was just blown away, and it really connected me with my childhood where I saw these trains completely full of tags, and I was just blown away by the art, and I was like, okay, I'll take a camera with me, and because I've published uh, in academia, I had a concept of what's what's needed for, for publishing a book, so that's how it started.
1: You've called New York City the biggest and most diverse outdoor gallery in the world. How does New York's street art scene compare to other
0: places? New York is a mecca, you know, so of street art and graffiti because it really started from here. It's a birthplace. So any artist who really respects themselves um, wants to work in New York. At this point, there are a lot of cities who have comparable work uh, just because the genre of art exploded. So... I I was last year in South America, and some of the cities there are just phenomenal work, really. I can't say that New York is by far the best. But New York definitely has a very unique character. Hip-hop also started here. So... You know, it's got a special place for this genre that nobody can take.
1: I was recently in Berlin, and that street art scene is quite vibrant there in Germany.
0: Yes, Berlin is very well known for an incredible street art scene. And also graffiti in Europe. Ironically, actually, some graffiti artists don't really succeed here in uh, in the United States, and they do really well in Europe.
1: I was going to ask you the question, do New York City street artists take their show on the road? Yeah, I guess oh, the answer is yes. Yeah,
0: oh yeah definitely. I mean, uh, some of the more successful ones are showing every place in the world, including the best museums as well. Um, but yeah, for sure.
1: What do you think it is that street artists are out for? Are most out to make a political statement? Why are they doing it?
0: I think it's uh, a passion. So, you know, just like with any passion, um, they they just get into it and they just constantly want to improve and uh, challenge themselves. I don't think that at the levels that I'm interested in and at the higher levels, fame is the number one drive. I really think it's a passion to just um, you know, be a master at your craft.
1: As you mentioned, a lot of street art is illegal. How much of it is about social rebellion?
0: Well, I feel that just the act itself, especially if it's illegal, is about social rebellion. And even if it's legal, there's something... Uh, to say about that as well, because you present art that is actually not confined uh, in a space, not curated, and also not, um, it's free of charge. So that in itself is a statement. Now, artists sometimes take it to what's called the next level, and they actually make a political statement, which I find great. I really appreciate that. I think that You know, Nowadays, we're in such dire straits as far as what's going on in this country and in the world that we need voices, radical voices out there on the streets.
1: Is being featured in an exhibit, in a gallery, the last thing these street artists want? They would much prefer their work to be out there on the street?
0: I think it's a mix of both. So they definitely want to be out on the street, but they also want to make money. Uh, which we all need so of course they want to be in a gallery so that their works can sell and then maybe you know somebody uh, shows a liking to their work and can invite them to paint the outdoor of their building or something like that so it's definitely a mix unless you come from a very wealthy family you can't just do uh, work for free
1: I know you've described street art as a living organism because it has a shelf life. Why create something if it's only going to fade away or get destroyed? That's got to hurt, too, no?
0: Sure, life hurts, just like, <laughs> you know, we're we're going to be destroyed one day, all of us. So, you know, there's something beautiful about that process where you can see work that's out there for a few months and it's already all weathered and somebody uh, wrote something on it or or painted a little heart or... Even even a little rip or the or the sun kind of weathered it and it faded away only part of the piece and this is something you never see in a museum so it's I, I tell people that I feel like a museum is like a a beautiful cadaver that's in formalin it's beautiful you can look at it it's gorgeous but some it's not alive whereas street art it's really a living you know organism that one day dies.
1: What are among the more common themes we see show up in New York City street art?
0: Honestly, it's so diverse. Uh, it's it's really hard for me to kind of pigeonhole it. And also, I don't believe in trying to tell people this means that um, every person takes something away from art, and that's what's beautiful about it. Uh, there's definitely political work, you know, uh, about presidential candidates, about uh, different things that are going on, about the environment. Um, there's definitely the aesthetic, so people go for the aesthetically pleasing work. Um, it's very varied.
1: So what are among the questions you asked these artist duos for this latest book to create, to sort of really get to the heart of what you set out to accomplish, what you set out to discover here?
0: So first I inspected like their, um, their personal kind of early life and history. So I was very interested in, you know, how they started this passion of theirs, then I went on to their personal creative process just to show that each one of these people is a mature, independent, developed artist. And then I, the last part is about collaborating, how they see collaboration, what are some of the challenges, and then what are some of the rewards. And a lot of themes uh, reoccur, and it, it, it was just fascinating to learn.
1: Anything in particular surprise you, you didn't expect?
0: To be honest... Um, I wasn't coming in with expectations, so um, I, I was just—I just felt like constantly uh, learning from this from this process.
1: Are there ever any arguments between the artists? No, don't do that.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, I've been in situations with some artists where it was a bit awkward. You know, I was—I felt like some, you know, third wheel. And um, I just waited it out and let them solve the the little uh, disagreement. And um, yeah, it happens. That's why. That's why. Before I said that the ego has to be flexible.
1: So, how much planning goes into these works when you're doing them on the streets before you actually walk out the door? I'm, you're not doing the planning on the subway on the way there,
0: right? Again, depends on which work you're talking about. For example, the last duo uh, Bunny M and Square, they worked for a whole week because they didn't even use spray paint. They used uh, acrylics, uh, house paint, different kinds of paint. Um, And they used brushes. So uh, they planned it all out, and uh, it turned out just phenomenal. Uh, It's two snakes kind of interweaving, which I thought was a beautiful message. And interestingly, one is the, the, the version of snakes that chokes, and the other one is the version that is um, venomous. So they're kind of attacking each other, but it's so beautiful to watch.
1: Who would you say is the oddest couple in this book? You wouldn't expect these two to work together, but yet there's harmony.
0: Well, Zimad and JPO, I wouldn't call them odd, but uh, they were very interesting uh, to watch. They're kind of my version of a mentor-mentee relationship, with the, which is another collaborative relationship. Um, Zimad is from the Bronx, and he's an old-school graffiti artist. He's developed himself, and he does a lot of different kinds of art, not just graffiti. And JPO is a, a more of a newcomer on the scene, and he does very colorful, beautiful backgrounds and has these typical characters that he does. And initially, you wouldn't really see how these two mesh together, but uh, they worked so beautifully with JPO doing this colorful Uh, pattern. And then Zimad coming in with uh, grays and doing his graffiti piece on top of that. And they're so different, but it works.
1: How do you get this work done without being caught when you're doing things illegally?
0: You do it at night. Uh, You do it quickly. You pray. That's pretty much it.
1: Now, your book, of course, focuses on collaborations. Your previous book focused on a wide variety of artists. Do you find that some artists don't want to work with anyone else? They want to be out there by themselves, that they really take pride in that individualism still?
0: Yes, definitely. It's either individualism or some people are just not social. Um, Just like in any other profession, some people just like the meditative quality of working on their own. They put on their headset and produce uh, their own work, and they don't want somebody in their space.
1: So, Yoav, what would you say are the top three takeaways for you in doing this project?
0: I'd say, number one, somebody has to uh, focus on their work and be passionate about it and develop and mature with their work. Um, Number two, collaboration is, you know, it's an art in and of itself, and you grow within the collaborative relationship, and different collaborations... Um, one grows differently within them. So I really believe that an artist should go through the process of collaborating with others as even a personal kind of stage in their evolution. And number three, just go out and have fun. You know, I had so much fun documenting these artists and really felt like I was um, so uh, privileged to be allowed in this space. So I really feel um, like I learned so much. And curiosity, if I had to say number three, Curiosity is something that you have to uh, you have to keep forever.
1: Lessons that can be applied to any industry, if you will, not just street art, right? Exactly. So, what's next? This project continues beyond the book, right?
0: Correct. I'm launching the book. A pre-release is going to be at Comic Con. So, with my publisher, Schiffer Press, we're going to have a little booth and a few books. Um, and JPO and Zimad, who are in the book, are actually going to paint canvases behind. Uh, and then I'm putting together a book launch at the Bronx Museum of Arts on November 18th. It's a Friday. There, I'm going to do um, a show, a collaborative show, uh, together with a fantastic photographer. His name's Tau Batis. And he does portraits. He's been doing portraits in Harlem for a long time. And um, I've been working with him, and we've been taking portraits of different residents in Harlem and the South Bronx. So we're a duo, and we take pictures of duos. Uh, so that's kind of the theme of the show. Um, and Tao has his own style of photography and I have my own style. So it's going to look really nice one next to each other. So each duo is going to have two photos of them. Uh, so that's November 18th, the show and the book launch with a DJ and we're going to have the peace poets, uh, are going to do some spoken word. So, and then we're hoping to take the show on the road and I'm hoping to give some, uh, book talks around the country.
1: And you're on Facebook.
0: And I'm on Facebook to create art, uh, and I have a blog to createart.org, and an Instagram to create underscore art. And um, I'm extending this into many different aspects, many different uh, art forms. I'm looking a lot into political activism and looking at duos within political activism. So that's kind of a new project I'm engaged in. Uh, I'm very interested in cooperatives and that whole economic model. Uh, So I'm featuring that as well. I really want to connect my science background, which demonstrates how human beings are social animals, with my uh, kind of radical progressive politics and my passion for the art. And I feel like to create does that.
1: Social media is really what connected you with a lot of these artists in the first place, right? You were posting your photos of street art on Instagram, and that connected you with the artists, right?
0: Correct. Yeah, that was definitely gave me a lot of connections. I did make some personal connections and introductions at parties, etc., like the classic old school way of meeting people. Um, But yeah, Instagram was a huge tool as far as... I posted a picture. I didn't know whose art it was, and one of my friends knew who it was. Oh, and then I'd go and check out their Instagram profile and see that they have a show, so I'd go there and connect with them. And so social media has just been huge in my development as a photographer.
1: So whether it be a street artist or not a street artist, what would you say are the most historically famous duo or is the most historically famous duo we can all learn from?
0: As far as street art... Um, a very famous duo uh, that I really like, love their work is Os Gemeos, They're twin brothers uh, who create just fantastic murals. So if I had to choose one pair that is the, the quintessential example of integrative uh, collaboration, it would be the Iranian brothers, and Sat. Uh, at this point, they work together uh, at such a collaborative level that they really don't know really who did what. Uh, and they both have uh, ideas do at the same time they literally said this to me so it's just beautiful to watch them uh think brainstorm and then carry out a project because no one person person is in charge of one thing they're both doing everything together there's there's a very famous duos in science for example madame curie and her husband pierre there's just like you said steve jobs and steve wozniak as far as uh you know software um, there's, there's so many duos that, like, like we began this conversation, that uh, we know just one of them.
1: For every Batman, there's a Robin. Exactly. Yoav, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yoav Litvin's new book is called To Create, Art Collaborations in New York City. You can also follow Yoav and all of his New York City street art coverage at yoavlitvin.com. And that's it for this week's Cityscape. My thanks to producer Zach Zalis. I'm George Polarki. Thanks so much for listening.
0: It's WFUV
1: and WFUV HD, New York. Listeners supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts
0: here.